summer. We are abiding, and I intend that to be a pun, we are abiding in a single passage from the Bible. And this is Jesus' extended metaphor. It's from John 15, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And so even as all over the state of Washington, grapevines are growing and they're putting out shoots and they're popping out these little clusters of grapes with the little green grapes before they mature, we are going to be slowing down and we're going to be using our imaginations. If, as he says, Jesus is a grapevine, well, then what does it mean to be connected into this vine? What does that feel like? What does it say about the relationship that we're supposed to have with Jesus? How does it affect our lives on any given day? Well, all summer, our imaginations are going to be helped by a landscape artist from Virginia named Mary Champion, who has given us permission to use her beautiful painting that you see on the screen, and it's on the bulletin each Sunday. And so... Taking advantage of the slower pace that summer allows us, we are slowly working our way through the single passage, 11 verses, and we're lifting out one word, one word each week from each of those 11 verses. And we're doing this in order that we can fully and to the extent that we are able experience and to understand just what this grapevine is into which Jesus invites us. So some of you are saying, okay, pastor, that's great, but why? Why are we doing this? Well, it has to do with a remarkable story that has been unfolding among the 12 elders and two pastors that are currently on our church session. And those are the people in the Presbyterian tradition who are responsible for the direction of the church and where we're heading. And about 15 months ago, as a session, we were on the verge of committing to a plan that Pastor Kurt and I have long felt was something that God was calling us to at this time as a congregation, and that was to plant some sort of new worshiping community, some sort of new group of believers and others who would be collected from the community, who would meet each week and worship each week at some place other than this particular location, possibly in a school or in some public place, and set out on a journey of following wherever Jesus leads them. And the elders agreed that God was calling us to this project soon, but almost to a person, the elders felt a certain disquiet about launching into this at this moment. There was a sense that there was something that we needed to attend to first. And so what we did is we brought in Pastor Denise and Pastor Diana from Renewal Ministries Northwest, and we asked them to do something that they do really well and that they do for churches all over this state, and that is to lead us in an intentional season of spiritual discernment. And, uh, and they bring some experience and some knowledge of a particular way that was taught by, in the 15th century, 16th century, by St. Ignatius of Loyola. And that journey began for us back in November, and uh, we gathered, we had an overnight retreat, and we gathered, and the purpose of the retreat was to clear out any other voices that we might listen to, including our own, and through various spiritual practices that Denise and Diana led us through, to listen for Jesus' voice, confident that Jesus speaks if we listen, 
and we listen the best we can. What is Jesus saying to our congregation at this moment? And there was a whole variety of spiritual practices and various passages that we interacted with over the weekend, but there was this one moment during that retreat. There was this one moment when Denise and Diana were le leading us through what's called a Lectio Divina, and it's kind of a, uh, a prayerful reading of a particular scripture, and it happened to be John 15, 1 through 11. And the Holy Spirit did something remarkable. The elders all agreed that this was what Jesus had to say to us as a session and as a congregation. What Jesus, these particular words that Jesus said in John 15, what he said to his disciples, abide in me as I abide in you, was the message that Jesus had for North Creek Presbyterian Church at this moment in our life. And what that meant is that instead of launching out on this new mission on our own strength, Jesus was inviting us to first spend time simply abiding in him together. And that brings up the question, how do you do that? What does it mean to abide? Well, if we're going to do it, that means that we've got to wrestle a little bit with this verb that in the, at least some versions, the new Revised Standard Version that Minna wrote, uh, read a minute ago, um, they use the word abide. It's the Greek word meno, and it happens to be one of John's favorite words. Shows up 35 times in the New Testament. All but one of those are in the four documents that John was responsible for writing. And if, if you listen to these 11 verses we're looking at this summer, that word abide or meno happens 10 times in this passage. And on the screen behind me, you can see verse 4. I'm zeroing in on that this morning. This word happens four times just in that single verse. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So it sounds like we are supposed to abide. Just how does one abide? Because abide is one of those words um, that most of us probably don't use every day. The New International Version, that's the version that's in the pew in front of you, gets around this by using a different English word. It uses the word remain. But to me, remain is just a boring word. It's not a word that is alive. Abide, at least in its um, original English usage, means to live with or to dwell with, as in, where do you abide? It's related to our English word abode. Nowadays, it really only, we'll only use it in daily conversation in kind of a tangential way in the sense that I can live with that when we say I can abide by that decision. So all of this still leaves the question, how do you abide? Well, it turns out that Jesus gives us a great clue right here in verse 4. Jesus says, how do you ab abide? You abide like a branch abides in a grapevine. And providentially, we just happen to have an expert in our midst about that kind of abiding. We happen to have a viticulturalist, a vintner, our very own Gary Turner, who I'm going to invite up right now. And we're going to find out about how branches abide in a grapevine. Because Gary, in retirement, not only 
has and tends to a rather substantial vineyard. He's been taking community college classes on how to do this well. Okay, so Gary, tell us about this vineyard that you tend. Uh, it is a, uh, I would call it a hobby vineyard. It's small, but um, it is 150 vines. We planted it in 2009. And there's three grapes, uh, Grenache, Syrah, and Viognier. They're all French varieties. Okay, so you told me that you were just there last week. You were tending to your vine. It's mid-July. What, what do the vines look like right now? Well, the vines are uh, very vigorous. They're growing like crazy. They want to produce all kinds of leaves, and, and uh, there's cluster formation, and there's uh, mini clusters, and they're filling out. They're turning into clusters rather than uh, blossoms. Okay. Two weeks ago, Kurt was preaching, and he took that word prune, and I'm wondering... As a vine dresser, what have you learned about what I think is a rather counterintuitive process of pruning? Uh, I have learned it slowly over a number of years, um, and I'm, I'm, I think I have learned it this year. I've said this before, though. That is basically that you, you have to approach a vine with aggression, and you have <laughs> to prune more than you would generally think you have to prune. Um, so the vine wants to produce many branches, and you have to be selective. So I pick out the 10 best uh, branches or shoots that are on that vine. And then I look to see where it's positioned. Um, and um, it's, it's a pretty deliberate for me because I'm still learning, but it's, uh, it's intentional. But the general, you know, the general concept is that prune more than you would think and seek balance between okay. what the vine can produce and um, what can be brought to fruition to a completed okay. uh, sweet cluster of grapes. And the pruning even includes uh, clusters of grapes themselves that you've lopped off and yeah, on the ground right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the first, the previous picture showed a number of clusters um, all, all hanging on the, uh, the new growth of vines or the branches, and that's from one side of the, of the vine. Um, so that's seven or eight clusters, and there's probably seven or eight left. So. Um, it's hard to get rid of that fruit. You think, oh, look at all that fruit. It's going to be wonderful. But it's, it, it has to be uh, discipline uh, pruning to leave what can come to uh, full growth. Okay, so last week you were walking. You walked by a neighbor's vine. You were feeling a little bit smug. That's the neighbor's <laughs> vine. Tell us about that vine. That vine, um, when I think about pruning, I think of balance. Um, and this is a vine that I would say it's out of control. And it's, <laughs> it is, um, it's great to see the vigor and all of that, but um, the sad thing is that there won't be any fruit in that. There'll be fruit that's hanging there, but it'll be withered, and um, there won't be any sweetness to the clusters. Okay. Now, you've talked about as you do this, as you tend your vine, you really do think about your own life of faith, and there are some real concrete observations <laughs> that you've had. There are. Um, I think as I prune a vine, it is a demonstration to me that uh, sometimes I need to prune things out of my life. Um, there are things that I do that aren't, um, don't help me grow my uh, faith walk, doesn't bring me closer to Christ. So I need to be, be very um, intentional and, and cut those things out and see what can be eliminated so that the other things I do are more of service, uh, serving, serving the Lord, our Lord. Okay, so Gary, here's where we need your help this morning. Jesus says that a branch 
abides in a grapevine and that we need to learn something from that branch and the way that it abides. In what ways do you think that a branch abides in a grapevine? Okay, um, well, that's a really good question. I, I think um, there's a, a few answers that make sense, um, and this is a great picture. Um, you can see that that, that, that horizontal uh, vine, that is old, it's woody, it's hard, it's, it's um, at least a year old, and sometimes 20 or 100 years, depending on, on how old the vines are. The green shoot there, that's the new growth, and that's the only place that fruit grows. So, you, so the vine, and we, I think, must abide in the vine by growing, by having a shoot, by having a branch. The other, the other uh, very critical point is the connection between the new growth and the, old, uh, and the old growth. And that really is where all good things start and where it is maintained. So the connection is, has to be strong. Um, it has to be a good, sturdy uh, connection. And, and you know, you get into a little more, it needs to be positioned properly. It shouldn't be from the bottom of the vine and then trying to grow up, um, so it should be placed on top. It should be separated from another vine so that there's enough room to, to grow. Um, and um, I, I think that's really the gist of it. it there's a lot of things. Um, and then, if, you know, sometimes there's too much fruit, and you need to look at, well, I, I've got three clusters and, and this vine I think will only, or this shoot will, will hold only one. So I clip the ones furthest away from the vine because they're the least likely to mature. All right, Gary, thank you. Thank you for telling us about the, the art of vine dressing and to connect us as a congregation to your vine in Chelan. We're doing something a little bit different this, this morning. In our communion service, you have brought a bottle of your vintage, broom tree vintage, and that's going to be one option in the communion service as far as we're going to have um, Gary and Donna's wine as well as grape juice in the communion service. I'll say more about that when we get there. But thank you so much. Thank appreciate welcome. it. Thank you. All right. So there from the mouth of a human vineyard tender, for a branch to abide, it needs a vital close and constant connection. And it is really that connection, as Gary said, through which all of the life, the life force of that entire vine flows into the branch, that energy that is crucial for that branch to flourish and for it to become what God intends it to become. In fact, you could say that abide means to have a relationship, that that branch really has a relationship with the vine. It gets the information about when to bloom and when to grow and when to produce. And if that's the case, if that's what Jesus is really saying, I want you to stop just for a second and marvel once again at this crazy claim that's at the center of our faith. And that is that the creator of the cosmos, Almighty God, wants to have that kind of relationship with you. Does that not blow your mind? So I spent most of this last week standing right here on this chancel, playing my guitar four hours every morning, and I can tell you that all of those SBC songs are stuck in my head. I've been dreaming them and singing them, and I, eventually they'll get out of there. But no, they were great songs. As Nathan told us, the theme was superheroes and superpowers. And I've kind of been 
going through SBC is I've been also thinking about this message this morning, and a connection kind of occurred to me. And that's that Jesus has a bunch of different superpowers. But for my money, the one that is most amazing, the one that is most unexpected and profound, is Jesus' ability in the deep mystery of the resurrection to abide with us, to have a real relationship with us in real time with you and with you and with you and with you and with me. I don't understand how it works. All I know is that it works. Jesus' superpower is that he can abide and have a relationship with us. And what's even crazier is that God has put in each of us a corresponding superpower, and that is the superpower to respond and say yes to that relationship with God in Jesus Christ. That God has made it possible for us to have a relationship. And all week this backdrop has been up here. And what I love as I think about this is what it's telling me is that this superpower, we live out this superpower not just here at church but in our lives, in Gotham, where we work and where we play, and where we shop, and where we vote, and where we live. Another thing that we need to consider in order to fully understand what it means to abide, and this is really next week's sermon topic, but Jesus mentions it in verse 4, and that is that it is possible to live life, even a supposedly Christian life, and not abide in Jesus. It's possible, as Jesus says, to just try and be a branch by itself, not truly connected to him, the vine. And I look at my own life, and I recognize this as a constant temptation. I know, because I experience it all the time, the tendency to to let that connection fade until it's just really an abstraction. It's in theory only. It's in name only. So I say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I've let that connection wither and get cut off. Or just get so busy doing stuff for Jesus, doing all the the busy activity of the church and even going on mission and getting so busy that you don't have any time to abide for that connection. And I think that both of these distortions are possible as a way of thinking about it in a marriage, that it's possible for a a couple to let that connection fade until it's really a marriage in name only, or it's possible for a couple to be so busy that there is no time to maintain that connection and to abide with each other. I think this is what our session heard Jesus saying at that retreat. Jesus was saying, North Creek Presbyterian Church, I know you want to do incredible things for me, and I want you to, but before you do... Make sure you're connected to me. Make sure that you are abiding in me as I want to abide in you. And what that means is that there is a question, there is a challenge that Jesus has for us as a congregation, but for every one of you sitting in this room this morning. And that is, what does it mean for you to abide in him? What does that feel like? What does that look like? Are you doing it? And if not, why not? What is stopping you? What will it take? Another way to put that is if the English word abide is a little bit dated, if it's a little bit 19th century, how would you paraphrase it? 
for your own life? How would you make this idea of abiding fresh and life-giving for you? You might get some help from six more modern Bible translations and Bible paraphrases that I looked up on the internet this week and the way that they translate this word, abide. I mentioned that in the New International Version, in the pews, and in a number of other versions, Jesus says, remain in me. In the Amplified Bible, Jesus says, dwell in me. In the Good News Bible, Jesus says, remain united to me. In the contemporary English version, Jesus says, stay joined to me. The J.B. Phillips New Testament paraphrase, Jesus says, share my life. And in the message paraphrase, Jesus says, make your home in me. Well, I would say that the session heard Jesus' voice telling us that Jesus wants us to take this invitation to abide in him and to paraphrase it and to translate it into something that makes sense in our lives right now. I'm actually going to invite you to take up that challenge this morning, and that's the explanation for this mysterious grape branch bulletin insert that's in your bulletin. What I want to do right now is just take a few moments and give you an opportunity to come up with your own paraphrase. It might be one of those that is in one of these uh, Bible translations or something of your own. Just a few words about what the verb abide means for you. And I actually want you to take out a pen and you can write it right on that green branch right there. Just a word, two, three words. And there's no right answer, whatever the Holy Spirit gives you. And what we're going to do is during our communion service here, which when you think about communion, it really is a ritual enacting of abiding in the vine, of abiding with Jesus. And not only that, but it includes the fruit of the vine, whether it's fermented or not. And we're going to have both of those this morning. So during this communion service, what I want you to do is bring your branch forward. Because Jesus says, as the branch abides in the vine, this is this your wish, your desire to abide in the vine and what that means to you. So I want you to bring it both as a confirmation of the connection that already exists in Jesus, but also as an aspiration of Jesus. This is the relationship that I want to have with you. Right now, I'm going to give you just half minute, 30 seconds to jot down how would you translate abide for yourself. Abide in me as I abide in you. That's really what this sacrament has been about all along. This is a regular opportunity that Jesus gives us, a regular reminder, a regular practice to stop and abide with him. Whatever it is we're doing, no matter how busy we are, no matter how disconnected we feel from Jesus, it's a regular gathering back into the vine. And that's why we've chosen to do the sacrament every single Sunday through the summer, through this abiding series.